Hello, and welcome to We Speak CVE, a free podcast from the CVE program. On this podcast, we'll talk with people from the cybersecurity community about what else? Cybersecurity and vulnerability management and the CVE catalog of vulnerabilities. If you didn't know, the CVE program's mission is to identify, define, and catalog publicly disclosed cybersecurity vulnerabilities. Hello, and welcome to another edition of the CVE podcast. I'm Shannon Sabins, and I have with me today Madison Oliver. Uh, Madison's uh, been with us before, and Madison, um, your content's been really well received, and I think you have some exciting content for us today. Uh, Do you want to introduce yourself briefly? Hi, everyone. My name is Madison Oliver. I'm really happy to be here again. I manage our advisory database curation team here at GitHub, and I've made my career around vulnerability reporting, disclosure, and coordination. You know, at the CVE podcast, we um, we have done and, and we do a lot of content uh, about and for CNAs and and for some consumers of, of CVE, but I feel that we don't do enough about uh, and for finders. And you and I um, both come from backgrounds where we're excited about finders and interested in finders and 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 supporting finders. So this is a podcast for finders. I really like this term, um, finders, but Madison, how do you define finders for this effort? So the effort that we've been uh, that I've been focused on recently has been within the Open Source Security Foundation. And the way that we've decided to define a finder is somebody who's a hacker, a researcher, an academic, a bug bounty hunter, really any concerned software enthusiast, somebody who's just finding and or researching security vulnerabilities and then reporting them to someone. So the work that you're doing presently, um, you've been working with the OpenSSF Vulnerability Disclosures Working Group. And I want you to tell us a little bit um, about your background, a little more depth about your background for those who don't already know you, and then your transition to open source work and and a little bit about, you know, uh, what the what the group is um, and how you sort of came to, um, well, sort of how you came to the work you're doing now. Absolutely. Once I uh, graduated from university, I my first role was in uh, vulnerability coordination at the CERT Coordination Center. So I did that for maybe three, four years before I made the transition to GitHub. So a lot of my background and experience prior to GitHub was in closed source software, coordinating vulnerabilities prior to public disclosure, uh, and coordinating them on a really broad and international scale. So hundreds of people affected, uh, and I was the neutral third party helping to assist in those coordination efforts. Once I moved to GitHub, because the the scope is different, I'm much more focused on open source now, almost solely focused on open source. So as part of my role at GitHub, I'm involved in the OpenSSF Vulnerability Disclosure Working Group. And this group is focused on improving the overall security of the open source software ecosystem by helping advance vulnerability reporting and communication. So, and the guidance that you have put forth for for finders, I feel like you know when I when I've looked at it, I think is great guidance for 
you know, not only uh, those looking at open source, but for those um, doing vulnerability research potentially in, you know, in all kinds of sources. I think you've put forth really useful, um, you know, really useful guidance. Um, tell us a bit about um, the content that the group has created and, you know, and why. So I'm relatively new to this group. I've maybe been in the group for six to eight months. The, the working group has existed for a little bit over two years. There are folks that are a part of this group that have experience in both open source and closed source software uh, coordination and vulnerability disclosure. This group is focused more on open source because it exists within the OpenSSF whose mission is to focus on open source. So that that's why we started there, but I completely agree. I think this guy could really be applied to much more than open source. Uh, the biggest differences maybe is, is how you contact people and who you contact. And there's some maybe different considerations, but as a whole, the process is, is very, very similar. And a lot of the same same things that we put forth in this guide can also be used for any sort of closed source software vulnerability reporting and disclosure. So, um, well, let's take a step back maybe for a moment. Let's talk about, um, in this context, coordinated vulnerability disclosure and the intent um, here. When you think about, um, I think you have a hope for for finders and um, for those that they're reporting to in terms of the quality of interaction that they have together and, and, you know, and thus the outcome for users. So talk to me a little bit about, about that intent there. Sure. The goal of coordinated vulnerability disclosure, which we as the working group in the OpenSSF have defined as the process of sharing vulnerability details with a person or group who has the ability to respond and fix and or remediate the vulnerability. So this is most often in the context that we're discussing an open project maintainer, but it could also include the project developers, collaborator, collaborators, administrators, or any other invested parties, or a security team if they're lucky and mature enough to have one. There are a lot of different goals um, as part of the coordinated vulnerability process. The, the finders typically have their own reasons, motivations, and goals for reporting the vulnerability. The maintainers might have their own similar but maybe different reasons for responding to fixing and or not fixing the vulnerability. And there are occasionally third parties involved who also have, again, their own reasons for doing things. So our, our goal is, is encouraging coordinated vulnerability disclosure as much as we can. We think that that is the, the, the best move uh, because it gives the, those that have the ability to fix it a chance to fix it before the information is shared more publicly. So before attackers are made aware that the vulnerability exists, um, it gives users then an action that they can take. If this is published and disclosed with a fix available, it gives them gives them some remediation steps, some, something that they can do to protect themselves. So it's we've, we view this as the, the preferred method w whenever possible. Obviously this isn't Always, always possible, but more often than not, uh, this is what we're advocating for. Right, right. 
Absolutely. I, I, you know, in the past, I have also created some guidance for researchers around, um, but long, longer ago, I, your content is, I think, excellent and, and recent. But, you know, helping people understand things that um, I think both sides can have assumptions about, you know, what's needed or what needs to be said and, and what what um, what they perceive as understood. And um, sometimes when we perceive something as understood, we don't we don't say the thing that we're thinking yeah. and that that can be so important. So um, do you want to outline some of the specific guidance here um, and, and, you know, what the recommendation is to finders about um, about communicating um, you know, communicating their findings, um, and, and, um, communicating their expectations, uh, their timelines. Um, I also noticed you have some templates here, which I think are really, um, are really helpful. Maybe tell us a little bit about that and, and, you know, what do you want finders to know about, um, about communicating their findings, right? Yeah, I think the easiest way to sum up the guidance that we have here is that as, as a finder, as somebody reporting vulnerability information, share the information and your expectations early and often. And honestly, just remember that vulnerability disclosure is a human process. There are human beings involved in this process uh, on all ends and show empathy towards them. Things can go wrong. There are lots of reasons that things can go wrong and they typically end up being human reasons. So showing some some care and empathy towards the maintainer that you're reporting to and the different uh, different things that they are concerned about and trying to adhere to and, and just try to be understanding. So looking at any of the security information that the project has already published, if they have a security.md file or a security.txt file or any sort of security policy, looking there first and foremost uh, is a great place to start. They'll typically tell you how they would like to receive reports, what sorts of reports they want to receive and that they can actually act on, uh, what sort of information they need in the report, um, any safe harbor information, which is particularly important for you as the, as the finder. Uh, and if you aim to follow the guidelines that the, the project or maintainer has already outlined uh, when you're reporting it to them, you'll already be starting off on a good foot and it'll be so much more likely that the interchange that you have with them will be collaborative and cooperative and, and really beneficial. Totally. I totally agree. I, I love what you've said about it being a human process. Um, you know, Todd Beardsley, uh, who over at Rapid7 is also a board member, um, is also the chair um, of the CNA working group. And, and Todd says all the time, assume good intent. Um, and I think that can be true for, for both sides. You know, sometimes when you're communicating about a difficult technical issue, um, people can get frustrated, right? Yes. And yes. so I love it when you say this is a human process. I love it when Todd says, assume uh, good intent. So, um yeah. So again, you've got, and we'll put the link in the um, in the comments down below. Um, 
but well, there again are some good example templates of you know how to report uh, findings and um, you know thoughtful uh, things to consider or, or be thoughtful about when um, when you're communicating. Uh, those findings. Can you give us some advice about obtaining a, C- a CBE and um, how or when you can help? Definitely. So reporters can obtain a CBE from any appropriate CNA within the CVE program. So this really all depends on what products are affected and whose scope they're in, which can be a little bit hard to tell. So at least from a GitHub perspective, if the project is hosted on GitHub, GitHub is a CNA in the program. Anything hosted on GitHub is within our scope. So you're welcome to request a CV from us. So we have that built into some of our tooling. A repo admin can create a GitHub security advisory and use that as as their public disclosure process. By making use of that feature, they can easily request a CV directly from me and my team. And we actually recently released a beta feature called private vulnerability reporting that reporters and finders can now make use of to privately report vulnerabilities to maintainers in GitHub. So it's an opt-in feature, so and it's still in beta, but uh, I would also highly encourage maintainers and reporters to make use of that feature as much as possible. So outside of GitHub, uh, reporters and finders can request a CVE from the top level root or CNA of last resort, which more often than not tends to be MITRE. Yeah, this uh, shameless plug, uh, we also, um, well, I also will plug that Red Hat is uh, now a CNA root. And um, so so that is an exciting addition to the program. But as you said, uh, MITRE is always the C, the CNA of last resort. I should also mention um, for um, for ICS for industrial controls that CISA is uh, the CNA of last resort in that particular case. For other things, uh, MITRE is the CNA of last resort. So, um, kind of going with that for a second. Let's also say, you know, what if an organization uh, declines a report or declines to patch your your finder, you're having an interaction um, either with a vendor or or with an open source entity, just what if it all doesn't go as expected? Um, you know, where do you where do you turn? Yeah, and the, and the guidance that we have in, in the guide, again, is really just meant to be general guidance. Not not everything in the guide will fit every, every disclosure that a finder right. does, and there, of course, will be issues that can arise sometimes. So uh, we, have, we have some guidance in the guide about what to do if you do run into problems, different ways that you can get help. If you run into any issues with the CVE program or disagreements about whether or not a CVE should be assigned with a maintainer, the CVE program does have a dispute process that you as a finder can make use of without being a CNA. Uh, So I would encourage you to do that as well. GitHub has released some guidance uh, for coordinated vulnerability disclosure and different steps that you can take if you run into problems. If you're unsure how to proceed uh, and it's a particularly complicated case and you really need some help, you're also welcome to contact the GitHub Security Lab for disclosure advice. And the 
CERT Coordination Center also has a well-known published guide to coordinated vulnerability disclosure that has a wonderful section on troubleshooting CVD and the different steps and different options that both maintainers or finders or other folks involved in the disclosure process uh, can do and make use of when there are problems. Good, good. Um, we should also say that, you know, for disputes, MITRE um, is the secretariat of the CVE program. They are also, uh, as we said, the CNA of last resort. There is a disputes process. It, it does take some time, um, but uh, but the board um, has has created a process and is ultimately involved. So, you know, you're not necessarily stuck if you uh, don't get the result that you expect. I think we have a pretty fair process, but it does, it does take some time if you, you know, had to go that route. Um, let's see, what else did I want to ask you? I, I also wanted to ask you how folks can get involved in the Open SSF Bone Disclosures uh, Working Group. I, I find that to be a really interesting group. If somebody wanted to get involved, how can they get involved? So first and foremost, you do not have to be an Open SSF member to be involved in any of the working groups, which I think is wonderful. That's great. Uh, so it's a really low bar to entry. I would encourage anyone to join that is passionate and cares about vulnerability reporting, vulnerability disclosure, really anything related to vulnerabilities, especially in open source. Uh, we do a lot of our work uh, in a Slack channel. We also have a mailing list and a public repo. So I would encourage someone to join the mailing list. All the information is available on the OpenSSF website in their working group section. Um, comment on the repo, make an issue, join the Slack channel or the mailing list. Any of those are a great way to start getting involved. That's great, Madison. I, I, I'm gonna try to put as many links as we can um, down below. And then, but before we, before I let you go, I want to ask you, is there anything that I missed that you really wanted me to ask you about? Um, I think this is great content. I totally love it. Um, in the past, content from you has been really well received. And, you know, we're always so happy to have you here. Is there anything else you want to tell our listeners? Uh, two, two other things that are in the guide that we didn't really get to touch on. One that I just want to highlight briefly is there are a number of different disclosure options that you have available to you as a finder. So we lay all that out in the guide with different pros and cons and descriptions and example scenarios of when those might happen. So before taking any action, I'd highly recommend reviewing those as well. And for yourself as, as a finder, one of the other things that I think that you can do to make this process as easy as possible for yourself is by writing a good report from the start. If you're submitting your vulnerability report to the maintainer and it's written basically for, for public consumption by the end of the report, there are less edits to make, ideally less questions from the maintainer, um, information is shared more easily, more it's more digestible. The, the better that you can write your report, the easier you will really make it for yourself. So GitHub has a number of best practices for writing repository security advisories. The guide itself has a number of uh, recommendations for how to write a good report. Um, we're working on a template for that as well. Um, so write, writing a good report really from the start uh, is the, is the best, best way to help yourself long-term. 
I totally agree. And I think there's a real, a real dearth of um, sort of sample templates for, for finders. I think your templates are excellent. Um, I also, you know, might ask people to consider CVSS, um, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and, you know, when providing all the information, um, but I think your templates are absolutely, absolutely excellent. So I encourage people to, um, go look at those and, you know, incorporate, um, some of that content in their own, you know, reports or work or, or take those templates and, and run. I think it's great. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I I think reporting is honestly one of the one of the first and most difficult problems that finders run into because determining who to contact, how to contact them, what information is safe to share via this channel or that channel is really difficult, especially if you're relatively new to this process. So I think if we can make reporting easier from the start, will increase the likelihood of beneficial collaboration and communication more broadly, which which is again I mean, something that GitHub is definitely passionate about which is why we just recently released a beta for private vulnerability, just reporting, doing exactly the same thing. Yeah. And again, you know, be a little patient. This is a human process. Uh, be kind and assume good intent. Um, but, you know, keep keep fighting the good fight and going for, you know, what's right. Um, but be a little bit patient with the process and, and make sure, you know, that there aren't assumptions on, on either you know, gently make sure that there aren't assumptions on either side. Um, you know, sometimes I have found in my own reporting that I had assumptions that I didn't communicate. I think we've all, you know, I think we've all been there and 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 done that. And, um, you know, make sure that the vulnerability report is understood and, you know, make sure your timeline and, and that all your expectations are communicated and hopefully you have a better, you know, a better experience and a good experience. Yeah, absolutely. Communicating expectations early and often is also honestly one of the things as a finder you can do to help yourself the most. If you have a conference deadline or something else that is really driving this coordination that is the, you know, driving the publication date, sharing that early and often is incredibly, incredibly important and helpful. Totally agree. Totally agree. Madison, thank you so much for coming back to join us. I love having you here. I hope you'll come back again. Um, I think your work is really interesting. uh, And I encourage people to check out the OpenSSF Bone Disclosures Working Group. I think that's a great opportunity for those who have time and and want to volunteer. Um, And thanks so much. Thanks for listening. Yeah, thanks, everybody. Happy to be here. Thank you for joining us today on the We Speak CVE podcast, which is available for free on Buzzsprout and the CVE website. If you'd like to participate or suggest a topic, please contact us on the CVE website.